Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with Good morning, Arizona. Live from Sunny Slope. It's quite beautiful out there today. You know, it's a, a little cooler than it's been, not quite as humid, and uh, perhaps our rain's gone for a day or two. And we hope it comes back, though. We can never have too much here in the desert. Happy Sunday, beautiful Sunday morning here in uh, Arizona, and uh, weather's getting nice. We can travel all over the state and enjoy different, all different kinds of weather. A little chilly in the mornings up in the mountains now, and uh, not quite so hot in the deserts, but a beautiful time to get out and explore the state. Nice the fact that we've had some rain. It's a perfect time to get that garden going and uh, get that all turned around. And it's a great time if you haven't fed to feed, if you're going to prune anything. Uh, we've only got about six weeks of typical growing season left, so you might be mindful of how much you prune it. Uh, it's not going to grow as long, and you know if you want things to come back, it's, uh, it's time to do that. Good time to start pruning back some rose bushes if you want to have some beautiful fall color. And we could talk about the next couple weeks planting uh, the annual flowers coming up. It's also, uh, you know, the time we start, uh, oh, it's perfect for, you know, planting all kinds of citrus and, and desert trees and shade trees. And uh, so good time to be outside. Great to be here in Arizona. And here at the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, this is a listener participation type program. We have the lovely Shira back here on phones and music. You can give her a call. The phones are wide open. You know, sometimes we have callers on before we get started, but today it's wide open. If you'd like to be our first caller, we would love to have you. Whether you have a question, suggestion, something to do, something that's bugging you, if you're doing something different at home that works well, we'd love to find out. And the number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR, and just a gorgeous morning out there. And if you haven't been outside, it's, you know, sun's up, you know, it's up on the mountains here. And looking out over the hills, the sunny slope here, they're looking a little greener these days, which is uh, it's wonderful. You know, the fire uh, hazards up in the mountains pretty much non-existent. They always have to be a little careful, but... You know, it's pretty nice that we've had as much rain as we have. And hopefully this encourages our winter clouds to come in and, and snow this winter. For Good for the skiers, great for the mountains, and fantastic for the water supply here in the desert. Anyway, we've got a line still open. Number to call, 602-277-5827. Take our first caller this morning, Marty in Mesa. Good morning, Marty. Hello, Marty. Marty, can you hear us? Well, we're going to try and put Marty back on hold. Perhaps Marty was listening on the radio. When you do call, the, the trick is to, um, uh, when you when you call us, you know, listen on your phone, not on the radio. We're going to try Marty one more time. Hello, Marty. Marty, I'm going to put you back on hold. We'll try Georgia and Mesa. Good morning, Georgia. So it appears, sure, that we're having a problem with our phones. So, sure, if you could check and see why our phones aren't coming through. But uh, that doesn't mean you have to give up calling, and that doesn't mean the program's going to end or anything exciting like that. <laughs> but uh, So, Marty, if you'll call back, uh, we'll come back to you. And I'm going to put George on hold. We're going to try another one. Michelle, good morning, Michelle. 
Okay, so obviously we have a gremlin hiding in our phone system, but we'll try to get that figured out here as soon as we can. Um, beautiful morning out there. It's a great time to, uh, you know, get the garden soil turned over. If you're going to plant some vegetables, if you're going to plant some flowers, you know, now's the time to get out and turn the soil, till the earth a little bit. You know, we don't want to have pure organic mixes. It's good to have a mixture with some native soil and organic. If you want to use organic fertilizers for your vegetables, chicken manure, blood meal, bone meal, fish motion, all those things can really help. Worm castings are a good thing. So a lot of things that we can put into our, our soils and help them work. And we're trying to figure out our phones here, but we'll, we'll get to them. Is there a trick there? We don't know. <laughs> so at any rate, it is a beautiful morning. It's a great time to plant. And uh, whether you're going to plant desert plants, cactus, succulents, or you know, if you want to plant a vegetable garden here in the next week or so, uh, good time to uh, do all kinds of planting. It's a great time for citrus trees. And if you haven't fed your citrus, it's not too late. We've still got about a month of growing season left. And that goes for pretty much all of our shade trees. So now's the time. It's the last time you'd fertilize the desert trees and the palm. And if you're going to fertilize those, you really want to get on it because they've just got a short time to grow. But it's an excellent time, if you haven't fed yet, to feed deciduous trees like ashes and elms and pistachios and even the hardy evergreens like live oaks and pine trees, uh, olive trees. I mean, all those things are going to benefit from feeding this time of year. Now, we want to keep in mind that our fertilizer we're going to use is going to be used up mostly in the next five or six weeks. So something that releases faster is better than a long-term slow-release type fertilizer. Um, We'll try another phone and see if it's going to work here. Uh, Georgia and Mesa, good morning. Well, somebody was playing with our phones. Those gremlins snuck in. Uh, we'll put put you back on hold, Georgia. We're still working on them, guys, and uh, we're trying to figure out who turned the phone system off and how. But uh, we'll get to that point. This is a perfect time if you haven't been out exploring Arizona to go out and see the deserts. You know, it's absolutely gorgeous whether you're going to be out. Now, let's see if think it's some of these buttons. <laughs> Um, to, you know, to get out and explore the deserts of Arizona, you know, it, it's nice to get out and see all the beautiful, you know, things that'll be blooming this time of year. If we get some more rains here, you know, in, in November, December, we'll get our wildflowers growing. But there's a lot out there in the desert that's green and happy right now. There's a lot of fun things to see. And at our house last night, we had a, an owl back in the backyard. It was a big, great horned owl. And uh, he was looking for something fun to eat. But, you know, with this kind of weather, it's if you want to go out and explore it, if you haven't seen Arizona, there's a lot of beautiful places to see, whether you want to go north or south, east or west. Uh, you know, we have just such a diverse state. And uh, you can go down and see the southeast corner down there in the Chiricahuas uh, with the high elevation down there and ten, you think it's going to work we're going to try it again georgia good morning good morning hey wonderful shira fixed the Yay! phones she killed the gremlin <laughs> so brian two very quick questions about my orange tree you always say to flood the uh, you know flood the perimeter around the orange tree but i've never heard you say for how long well, the key is the depth that we want to have the water. So our water is fairly salty, especially in the summertime. You know, we have a high pH. So we want to push the salts down away from our citrus and a lot of our trees. In fact, for all plants, it's a good thing to do. And it's going to depend a lot, Georgia, on your soil type. So we have very heavy clay soils in some parts of Mesa. And you also have a fairly loamy soil. Out where our farm's in Mesa in the far east side on Germain, we have the most lovely soil. And it, we're just so happy with that citrus growth. But at any rate... 
uh, what we want to do is try to get the water to a depth of between two and three feet. And so if the water, oh, okay. if it's sandy soil, it's when the water is going in fast, um, you know, we're just going to fill up a well and let it flush through. If it's clay, we're going to fill the well slower and let it sit. It might take an hour or two to go down. And so it's going to depend somewhat on where you're located. Do you have old trees or young trees? Uh, oh, God, this tree is about 50 years old. <laughs> okay, so somebody's been doing something right for some time anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so I've usually kept it on for an hour, an hour, and mm-hmm. then, and and that's it full. That's it full. Um, okay, and that's with like a bubbler. Yeah. No, with just a hose. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's if it if it takes water that fast. If you can run a water in there for an hour with the hose, uh, that would pretty much mimic our flood irrigation, you know, that we're going to have okay. in the groves, and that would be ideal. Okay, great. And then the second thing, Brian, is my new oranges, which are many. Mm-hmm. On the outside of the tree are, you know, pretty badly sunburned from the summer. Should I pluck those off so the others uh, inside the tree can not be robbed of water? Georgia, they're probably not going to make that much difference. And if you're going to end up juicing some of your oranges anyway, you'll probably find that those are dry on one side, but good, you know, for the most of the orange. So even though they have a sunburn on them, doesn't mean there's a reason to necessarily discard them. They're not going to be the same quality as interior fruit, but probably still usable. Right. Great. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks, Georgia. Have a nice weekend. Appreciate you being the first one to get through after Shira killed the gremlins. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, we've got Bob and Tempe. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. How are you today? Excellent, sir. How are you? I'm well, thank you. My question regards my Bermuda grass. I've heard you speak about pre-emergent and the process, and I seen your moment kicked in, so I didn't understand. Okay. Um, I know. Tell me what I want to do, and also, should it, is it better to I spray? I use the liquid and spray pre-emergent on my gravel. Should I? Can I do that, or should I use the granular on the Bermuda? Either one's going to work fine. They're going to work the same way, Bob. And you know, okay. really, it's what's kind of critical is right now is the perfect time to apply it before the temperatures change much and the winter weeds start right. germinating. So, if you're not going to plant ryegrass, now is the perfect time to apply pre-emergent. And you can even do I'm that not. and follow it up with some fertilizer and get that last month's growth in here so it stays happy for the winter. But uh, okay, now is the so perfect time to apply it. Okay, so what would be my process? I do not want to cut the grass first. Is that correct? Well, if it, yeah, I would do it right after you mow. Okay, and then okay. if you, you want to mow it a little extra short one time, right now it's still fine to mow a little shorter. And then you want to uh-huh. apply your pre-emergent, and then you want to run your sprinklers, and you want to run them for a long cycle till you put on at least an inch of water, and that's going to wash okay. all the pre-emergent down into the soil and activate it. Okay, so the okay. emergent, whether you put on liquid or granular, is not activated until it gets water on it. So you want to follow up your application with irrigation right away. Okay. And then for, and I understand you say to fertilize it? Yeah, well, if you want to fertilize, put fertilizer and the pre-emergent down together, you can certainly do that and then give it an extra deep soaking and you'll be fine. You push the fertilizer in and you'll stop the weed seeds from germinating. Okay. Well, super. Well, I appreciate that information. I'll use the fertilizer I got over at your Gilbert store. Well, thanks for coming and visiting us, Bob. You know, we do pay for the program here. So, uh, you know, I used to get paid for the first 10 or 15 years I was on the air, but, you know, now now they charge yeah. me. So we appreciate your, uh, your you know, enthusiasm and coming out and, and seeing us. And we appreciate what you do and the information you do. So please keep it up. We'll do it, Bob. Have a nice weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. You too. Bye now. 
Uh, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with George in Phoenix. But after George, we've got four open lines. You can give Shira a call at 602-277-5827. 277-KTR. It's Brian and Shira every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Sunshine on my shoulders makes me happy. After George, we've got three lines open. The number to call is 602-277-5827-277-KTAR. Good morning, George. Good morning, Brian. How are you this morning? Excellent, sir. Uh, I've got a question on peppers. Uh, I've got three good-sized plants and pots, and I managed to get peppers in, you know, the late spring and early summer, and I managed that they've held on all summer uh, through my watering and that. But now I've got massive blooms, and I, they don't seem to be setting to uh, make fruit. So I was wondering what's going on. George, they should. They usually bear a decent fall crop here as well. And as our weather's breaking right now and the nighttime temperatures start to cool, and, you know, we've been a little warmer in the evenings lately because of the humidity with the rain last week. Not that we were going to knock it. We felt kind of like Monson Lawn. But as it cools, they should those flowers should start to get pollinated and set again. And the nice part with peppers is we can keep them for two or three years. So they're not like, you know, plants you have to change. Well, I understand that part because I've had a couple of plants last as long as four years since I've been doing this over the years. But I had so many blooms on these 
and none setting that it just surprised me. So I thank you for your advice. Well, and I, I just think, George, as the temperatures start to change, we get more differentiation and a little cooler uh, nights. I, I think that bloom will all start to set again for you. Okay, then. Thank you very much. I appreciate your help, and I do live near your store on 26 off of uh, over there on Southern. That so on I Southern with our old truck out in front? <laughs> right. Yeah, I ride my bike by there quite a bit. So, Well, thanks, George. I, so you you guys do a great job, and I appreciate it. Thank you very much. We appreciate you being our neighbor. We kind of love South Phoenix. We've been down there since about 81. I've been down here since 83, so. Yeah, we, we grew up together in South Phoenix then, huh? Kind of, so. Take care again, Brian. Thank you. Bye, Let George. Let me get out of here. All right. Yeah, well, we've got wide open phones now, folks. If you've never called a radio show before, hey, why not call us? We're friendly. We're one of the last programs that takes this many calls. We could talk about, you know, your successes, your failures, anything you want to grow, what to plan, how to plan it, where to plan it. Um, kind of the sky's the limit. But we would also love to hear if you have a suggestion, something different you're doing in your garden, some different type of plant you're growing, a different technique for us, special fertilizer, ways to prune. I mean, we're all here to learn together and it's a beautiful time to get out and garden here in arizona and quite a pretty morning today you know it's really the perfect time of year if you're going to get out and plant your vegetable garden if this is the time of year you know when all the vegetables are planted especially down in yuma county and arizona supplies a big percentage of the nation in produce and uh, we do that because of our our climate you know it's really totally our climate that uh, we can be fairly frost free here in the valley if you want to grow greens you can grow all kinds of greens this time of year broccoli cabbage kale cauliflower all those things do really well uh, tomatoes and peppers if you got some decent sized plants or if you'd want to start them with decent sized plants um, you know you can get this early crop in before it gets cold and what we recommend for tomatoes and peppers this time of year ones that are going to mature faster especially on the tomatoes the you know you want to go with early girls sweet 100s large cherries ones that are going to ripen quickly peppers the nice part about starting peppers this time of year is that you get pepper plants that uh, will be ready for next spring so if you're starting real young peppers you probably won't get much of a fall crop but it takes peppers so long to start in the spring that if you get them established this time of year, get some size, some mass to them, you'll have a far better crop in the spring. Take our next caller, Jake and Buckeye. Good morning, Jake. Hey, good morning. Um, my question is, is I'm looking to plant some hedges in my backyard. My backyard's not very big. It's like 20 yards by like 15 yards. But just kind of looking to do a hedge around it. I've heard of Indian laurel. Is that something that you would do or kind of just looking for some recommendations on? Well, Jake, the ficus trees or Indian laurels, um, you know, they get quite large and uh, they, they, but they are also fast. So if you're looking for something quick, um, they're easy. Um, Historically in Buckeye, they've been a little frost tender. Where are you located in Buckeye, Jake? Uh, On Verado Road North. In Verado there. Okay, so that's a little warmer. As you go up the hill there, it's a little warmer part of Buckeye than down when you get down closer to the river. So that would mm-hmm. be a place where the ficus would work well. And if you want to maintain a hedge, say at 10 or 12 feet, and you want to plant something fast, they would be a good choice. Um, a traditional choice here in the valley are sour orange citrus, which are a citrus that are just grown for a hedge. And they make a very mm-hmm. nice hedge. If you'd want to grow some you know, different citrus mixed in, you can hedge things like Meyer lemons and different types of citrus. 
and plant those as a hedge as well. There's also uh, olive trees which make a nice hedge, and there's the something fast and quick or, or hopseed bushes, and those will grow quickly. So there's quite a few options. The exposure makes somewhat of a difference. As long as you're planting in the fall, um, the sun's not so bad. Usually where we're worried is the west side. So if you have a hedge facing the west, you certainly want to make sure it's planted this time of year. How far do you typically space hedge plants like that? Well, with... with with the ficus, for example, you typically would plant those somewhere between a two to three foot uh, spacing on them. Now, you could plant them four gotcha. or five or six feet and have them accomplish the same thing. It would just take longer. Gotcha. Okay. Hey, I really appreciate it. Thanks, Jake. Have a nice weekend. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Uh, Grace and Chandler. Good morning, Grace. Hi, Brian. Thank you for the advice on how to trim my orange tree a couple weeks ago. It looks absolutely beautiful. Um, this week, I'm calling about my sages. I have their pinkish purplish, mm-hmm. and they range from uh, about three feet to I have a couple that are about six feet. And I really like the wild and natural look, Okay, but I also want to kind of keep them from getting the six feet height and huge width. How should I trim them and when? Well, Grace, right now is the perfect time to trim them. And what we do when we want to reduce the size of a plant like a sage and maintain it and have it look more natural instead of just shearing the top of it off is to take our pruners and follow the main leaders that come from the very top of the plant down. And we're going to take them down probably halfway into the plant. So that we're going to thin okay. out the top of the plant and reduce the size of those. And then, so we're going to take a six-foot plant, try to follow the main leaders down and cut them off maybe at three or four feet. And then go through and just lightly prune the tops of the balance of the plant. And by that thinning process, we're going to let natural growth and new buds come up to the top. And so you can do that twice a year or so if you do it right now. And uh, with sages, I would do it after they bloom again in the spring. Um, they'll grow for about another four to six weeks so just be mindful of the fact what you prune now is not going to come back until the spring you know unless it's just a moderate pruning so if you'll moderately prune them thin them take them down you can maintain a beautiful sage it takes a little more pruning and a little more time and thought when you prune but if you'll do that the sages are much prettier yeah i've been slowly with my hand pruner pruners doing you know like three or four inches uh every couple weeks just to try to maintain but they're growing so much faster than well you're, you're grace you're better off taking those long you know branches that are coming to the top the and ones. thinning the plant and taking them down okay. two or three feet but you're not you're okay. not going to take them all out and thin out the plant quite a bit when you do that and the other thing is to cut the water off and don't fertilize you know, okay. with sages, <laughs> okay. they're pretty darn tough. And uh, this time of year, if they've been in for a year or two, you know, if you water them once every three or four weeks is plenty. And um, okay. so they don't want much water and never feed. You know, they're they're happy. They don't really have to yeah. have a lot of feed. So that that's going to make your pruning and maintenance a lot easier. So now they're on the same drip system as my yellow bells and my rosemaries. And I think they're bottle brush. Okay, so those are all really pretty hardy varieties. So once they're okay. well established, you know, even in the summertime, unless it's over a hundred and say six to ten, uh, once every two weeks is enough water. Now, when it gets really hot in the summer, we're going to probably water some of those once a week. But now we're going into okay. the fall season. Once every two weeks is plenty often, and then in November you can reduce that back to once every three or four weeks. 
Oh, wow, that's nice. Okay, and I want to make sure I'm understanding what you mean by main leaders. Those are the more thicker branches and then little branches come off of them, correct? Right, and so you're going to have some branch structure that's going to come up from the bottom, and if you're clipping them back a little bit, it's made them denser. But just follow some of those branches back and remove about a third of the big shoots that come up to the top. And if you do so, your plants will be easier to maintain. Grace, thanks for the call. Thank you. Bye-bye. And we got a little music starting. That means it's time for the news here this morning. We'll be right back after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. While we're gone, the number to call, 602-277-5827-277-KTAR. It's your happiness that matters most of all But if he ever breaks your heart If the teardrop ever starts I'll be there before the next teardrop Felicidad Te deseo Lo más bueno Para los dos Pero si Te hace llorar A mí me Puedes Hablar Y estaré Contigo cuando well, welcome back, folks, to this beautiful Sunday morning. Looks like the lines are full, so we'll get right to the phones. Robert and Phoenix, good morning. Good morning. Hey there. Uh, a couple quick questions. You know, uh, my mums that I've that I've purchased for fall. Mm-hmm. Can I can I plant those uh, after they're done blooming and they faded away and hold on to them uh, for? Uh, next year yeah mums are really amazing robert they they can last for years they at one time you know oh shoot it's been 20 years ago they had a whole consortium of all these mum growers from all around the united states that brought a had a display of them in crystal mall and it was unbelievable so mums can be cut back planted in the garden and they'll come back and rebloom you know their cycles are fairly far apart but you can prune them back and they'll bloom again Okay. Anything? Any preparation really for them, or just uh, any uh, any amended soil? Well, they're going to want. They're going to want back to the greens, right? Yeah, just cut all the cut all the buds back to the greens. Plant them in an area where they're going to get at least you know three or four hours a day sun. They probably won't do very well in a western exposure, but southern or eastern right. they'll do fine. Okay, and uh, and 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 our pots fine, like right. a five gallon pot. You can grow them into in a container or in the ground. Okay, great. I had a landscape that I, I don't think that I can really disrupt the landscape of gravel. I also have like a like a like a half dozen five gallon pots. I was wondering what vegetables would be good for that process to start planting now, perhaps for 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 you know whatever could what what would be a great 
crop the plant like five gallons. Well, know, the, the thing that works well is, is always tomatoes. Depends on what you enjoy eating more than anything else, though. But for this time uh-huh. of year, um, all the greens, which you'd be changing the greens in and out, I would really recommend for, for bigger plants like peppers and, and eggplant and those kind of things, if you wanted to start those, uh, would be better to okay. go to a large container like a 15-gallon, and then you can maintain okay. them for two or three years. So in a, oh, in a larger okay. pot, you can grow them for quite some time. And one trick is if you want strawberries at all, you want to plant those in the fall so they have fruit in, okay. the, in the spring. If you start with these nice little strawberries in the spring, you'll never have much of a crop. And so if you want oh. to do like a mixed basket, you know, something for a shorter term, you could do some cilantro and you could throw that in with some peppers and tomatoes and all those kind of things. But it's really mostly what you enjoy eating. And that's all great. All that stuff is great. Now, now the tomatoes. Now I'll have to watch those through through the winter. And just in case we're in North Phoenix, like Forty Third and One Hundred One, so they probably have a have to uh, like uh, put a uh, like a plastic over the top of it in the winter. Well, or not, like that. we haven't had to really, Robert, for the last few years. And what's nice about gardening in containers like that is if we have a forecasted freeze, you can just put them under the patio. But we really haven't okay. had many freezes in a long time. Plastic, unless you're going to build a greenhouse, doesn't help much. And if you want to protect okay. them from the frost in the wintertime, what's best is to put some stakes in there so you suspend uh, the top over it. Just pretend like you're the ghost walking down the street, you know, like the little uh-huh. kids are at uh, Halloween, which is coming up. But you want something suspended so that the cover does not touch the plant. And you want something that's going to breathe, like a cotton sheet would work well. Frost cloth works great. Plastic, oh, the yeah. The cold will go right through it. Plastic only works when you capture a big volume of air. Gotcha. And now would I start with seed at this point in the fall or miniature plants? Well, you're way better off starting with plants. I mean, you can plant some things from seed this time of year. You know, you could plant if you want to do lettuce, broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, the kale. If you want to start those from seed, you can. But, you know, the farmers down in Yuma that plant hundreds of acres and thousands of acres, they plant them all from sets. They plant them okay, all from and plants. from a pot, how often should I fertilize that being a pot, you know, because it can be flushed through? How well, often, it depends on what you use for fertilizer. If you use a fertilizer like Osmocote, which is slow release, that'll last up to 90 days. If you use organic okay. fertilizers like blood meal, bone meal, the pelletized chicken manure, those kind of things, those will also last, you know, typically uh, at least three or four weeks. Gotcha. Uh, perfect. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Robert. Bye-bye. Uh, Baker in Scottsdale, good morning. Hello, Baker in Scottsdale. I'm going to put Baker back on hold. We're going to come back to you. If you're listening on the air, that means you need to listen on the phone. So that way, when we pick up your number, there is a delay. Elaine in Peoria, good morning. Hi. Happy Sunday, Brian. To you as well. Um, I'm getting ready to plant my, I'm preparing all my uh, gardens. My Everything's above the ground. Mm-hmm. Gardens, uh, containers. For my fault, you know, for this winter. And I've got one along that six feet long, three or four feet wide, and then two feet tall. And I put in that, it's, it's got a little bit of dirt on the bottom, but the rest is just, I put some um, manure. Um, and then also my, um, my fresh, and I love it, compost is coming out beautifully. And then uh, I'm using a lot of mushroom compost. This year, because I've not had good luck with, um, uh, I think it burns my plants, um, miracle Grow. Okay. So what is, like, even with a five-gallon, what is a good um, 
amount. I mean, like by well, sort of I, this. I, I would be a little cautious using manure. Okay, the problem with manure is that sometimes they can be fairly high in salt. So I would turn oh, everything okay. together. It's kind of oh. like cooking or making stew, and then you're going to season it a little bit to taste, right? Uh, if you want to uh-huh. use organic fertilizer, what works well is to use something like chicken manure or fish emulsion, or you can use a blood meal, bone meal combination, and those things all work. Okay. When we're using compost, are you using homemade compost? I'm making, I, well, I'm using mushroom because I don't have enough for everything. Mm-hmm. Mushroom, and then I kind of mix my compost in with that. Okay. So what happens with a lot of compost is we don't necessarily have enough nitrogen to it. So when, when you're composting and making your own compost at home, if you're adding a little nitrogen to it as it breaks down, it'll work well. But if your compost okay. ends up at home that's not cooked, and if it's not broken down, it'll actually use quite a bit of nitrogen. So that's where it gets a little tricky and sometimes we plant our plants and they go oh they're just not growing and that's because the nitrogen levels are low what i would really recommend to you if you're making your own home compost would be adding a nitrogen source along while you're composting but now that you're putting in the garden and you're going to use it i would probably think that you might want to add for sure either some chicken manure some fish emulsion or some blood meal something that's going to have more nitrogen uh to carry it through Okay. Yeah, I'm using um, I'm using um, fish uh, emulsion to do a lot of my fertilizing this year mm-hmm. because I've had so much trouble losing my plants. Well, I think it might be the fact that you're using your own homemade compost and it's not broken down far enough. And I think your compost is probably robbing nitrogen from you. So next year when you're making your compost, if you add a little bit of ammonium sulfate or a little bit of urea to the compost pile, that'll help it break down and it'll have more nitrogen because if we get out of balance, there's what's called a carbon-nitrogen ratio, and if we don't have enough nitrogen, then basically as the wood and all of our other things we put in our compost pile break down, they're robbing the soil of nitrogen. Our plants don't have enough nitrogen, and they won't grow. So if you see that so things are... nitrogen come in liquid form or uh, granules? It can be any one, but you know, they're very soluble, so if you would use, and that's what, like for example, miracle Grow would be have liquid-soluble nitrogen or a 20-20-20 fertilizer, like a Peters would have, you know, nitrogen in it. But what's kind of the most critical when you're making your own compost is the number, you know, the first number on the bag, and that's the nitrogen. But it takes more okay. nitrogen in these composts to break things down. How much would you put in? I've got one of those rolling ones. Well, not much because it's not that much volume. Okay, so you're you're going to mm-hmm. put in like if you're going to do like a you know, one that's the size of a 55 gallon drum that rolls. Okay, if you're going to do uh-huh. one that size, you'd probably put in about maybe a quarter of a cup of nitrogen and that depends on what it is if it's like ammonia a quarter of a cup so that would be if you're using yeah if you're using ammonium sulfate which is 20 percent nitrogen you'd put on a quarter of a cup okay and then um, i've got my little white fly covering over thing is there if i spray them even though i don't plants in there it won't hurt my ground well the white flies hopefully should be going away here pretty quick as the weather cools down so when the nighttime temperatures drop the white fly populations drop they're usually not such a problem in the fall winter gardens but if you have an existing population you definitely want to kill them and what you would want to do is you want to go look for the host plants where they're where they're resting and either spray or treat the host plants or if they're just weeds or something remove them okay all right i'll get busy all right lane thanks have fun bye-bye bye-bye uh pj and scottsdale good morning good morning hey uh, i had to get a hold of you and i figured this question might be good for the year i'm here at a 
We we planted twenty seven uh, like large twenty fours in uh, Hayden and Scottsdale, and some of the soil is pretty. I want to say caliche. It's been about a week. We deep water them, and I'm wondering what your recommendation is for how many gallons a week to water them, given that it's still over a hundred. Well, with with newly planted plants, what kind of plants are they, PJ? Oh, uh, the 24-inch ficus. They're okay. pretty large, though. So ficus could take quite a lot of water. So if we're planting plant 24-inch ficus, we want to keep them on the wet side the first couple of weeks. And in that area, we actually have a lot of clay, and it doesn't perk that well. So it's, it's yeah. going to tend to stay wet. But what I would do is water them to initially probably three or four times the first week, and then kind of check the soil and monitor it, and probably could go to weekly waterings after that. All right, but like, how many gallons would you say per per plant? Like five. Well, on a twenty-four inch, do you have them planted in a row, like a hedge along a wall, or are they planted in individual yeah. wells? No, they're they're uh, they're in a row. Okay, they're in a row. About three so and a half feet apart. Whenever whenever I watered them, I would give them approximately ten to fifteen gallons of water per irrigation. Okay. So depending on what size emitters, how fast the water goes through, but you know, ten to fifteen gallons would be, you know, the the right amount for a newly planted twenty four. Even with the uh, clay in the soil? Well, that's the first part of the week. You're not going to hurt a ficus by staying wet. So that's why I say get the ground well well watered and established. And, okay. and, and what's going to happen, that water is going to sub, and then all the clay is going to get wet. And then after the first week, then you want to go back and check and, and just check the soil in the root ball and the clay. But until the plants get rooted out into the clay, you know they're growing in what soil they came with in a container, which is typically organic and fairly light. And probably the most critical right. thing is make sure that no soil is added on top of the root ball so that they, they can get basically oxygen down through the top. You don't want to cover clay over the root ball and suffocate them. All righty. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, PJ. Have a nice weekend. And you too now. Take Bye-bye. Care. Uh, we're going to take a short break. While we're gone, we do have three lines available. A number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR.
Welcome back, folks, to this beautiful Sunday morning. I want to take a minute and invite you out to Whitfields. You know, Whitfields, we grow trees. Started with my grandparents back in the 40s, continuing today for four generations. We grow all kinds, from citrus trees to beautiful shade trees. Like, well, we have beautiful mesquites. We have an American mesquite, which is very sturdy, doesn't break in the wind. We have fruitless olives like Swan Hill. So we have uh, all kinds of fun ironwood trees. If you want traditional shade, beautiful pistachios, ashes, elms, great live oak trees. Whatever your dreams are, whether you need one tree for your yard or a thousand palm trees for your development, we grow dates and maybe. We have uh, beautiful Mexican California fan palms. We have mule palms that look like coconuts. Whatever your dreams are, come out and see us. We deliver plant guarantee. We're licensed, bought, and insured. No jobs too big, none's too small. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale Avenue. We're in the East Valley of Cooper, which is the same as Stapley in Guadalupe, or 26470 Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. Woodfield Nursery for four generations, growing trees here for Arizona's future. Uh, we do have a couple more lines available and uh, number to call 602-277-5827 Dennis in North Phoenix good morning good morning Brian how are you excellent good listen um, I've got a Texas mountain laurel tree that I have to transplant it was um, about four feet high three years ago when I uh, first planted it it's about eight foot now and I'd say the diameter is about an inch and a half maybe two inches so when is the best time of the year to transplant? And also, is there any special trick that I need to, to use in order to be successful? Well, the hardest part is getting a large enough ball out, Dennis, and trying to keep it intact. Um, you know, really a good time to plant that uh, as soon as that weather really cools off. So sometime along uh, late October, early November would be fine. You'd want to dig a hole okay. for the, you know, take it out this, like the equivalent size to about a 24 inch box. So what you want to do is dig a trench around it. But as you're digging your trench around it, turn your shovel backwards so that you keep the ball compacted. So as you dig down, turn your shovel backwards, keep cutting down. So if you can get about 20 to, you know, inches or so wide and deep, you should have a decent root ball. Now it's going to be very heavy while it's in the hole. So what you want to do is get like the equivalent of a big beach towel or a small tarp. And as you cut through, cut cut underneath the bottom and roll it over on one side, pull your tarp underneath, roll it back on top, and then you can lift it out with a couple of very hardy anglers or three or four if you need to and and pull it back out, tie the ball up tight, and then move it back to your new hole. Uh, There's a product called Super Thrive. You can buy it pretty much anywhere that really helps with the transplant shock. And I would recommend, you know, putting some Super Thrive on it whenever you after you transplant it. What you might want to do right now to kind of prep it, though, is to prune the plant back by about a third. Um, this, you know, about a month ahead of digging it, and it won't shock as much. Okay, okay very good. And um, in terms of uh, utility lines, do I have to touch base with the gas company to make sure? Um, you, always, you always have to call Blue Stake, and their, their number now is just 811. And um, so they, they'll come out, they'll mark all your utilities for you. Now, what they don't do is they don't mark your on, you know, your homeowner installed utilities. So if you have a okay. gas line that goes from your gas meter and then goes out to your pool, they're not going to locate that for you. Um, so that, okay, that would be one. Yeah. And if you needed to do something like that, if you think there's a chance you have those, you can call private locators and they will come out and locate them for you because there's anything, any home built in the last 25 years should have a tracing wire there and they can trace that okay. for you. But the, the utilities mark with eight one one is mandatory. You know, you always want to call before you dig. And uh, but okay. but if you but for you know homeowner installed lines, 
you know, you're going to have to find your own water lines and things like that. You know, they just mark the meter. They don't mark where it goes to your house. Um, but the gas line, they'll mark the service line where it comes in, electric and, and telephone, all those. They'll, they'll mark all the service lines where they come in, but they're not going to mark anything that was installed after the home was completed. Okay, understood. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. And you, enjoy uh, listening to your uh, show. So keep up the good work. <laughs> Thanks, Dennis. Bye-bye. Uh, Kelly and Surprise, good morning. Good morning. Brian, I have a Vitex, or Chase tree, mm-hmm. and we planted it at beginning of the year. So at its peak, it's maybe six feet. We want it to be more of a tree than a bush. Okay. So the question is, when would the best time be to prune that up and shape it like a tree? Well, the best time to prune it is when it goes dormant, and that's going to be okay. December, January. And the reason why is because all the other nourishment and all the other foliage in there is going to all go back into the trunk, into the stems, and so you're not going to cut away, and you're going to get more growth coming out in the spring that way. So, And it's also easier to see what you're pruning. So I, I would just yeah. let it go until December, January, and prune it, and uh, that would be the time. And then the flowers that are on there, if you cut off the dead ones just at the tip, mm-hmm. then does that make that bloom more? Not not necessarily. I mean, like, well, you, you really do that with, like, a crepe myrtle. You know, crepe myrtles bloom on all the new wood. But the uh, chase trees or vitex, um, you know, they'll tend, depends on the variety you have. The darker purple ones are, are ones kind of the last generation, and they'll bloom a little bit better. But they're a wonderful hardy tree. And, you know, the thing with that tree, too, Kelly, is if you want it to grow fast, you want to deep water it in the, in the summertime at least once every two weeks. Well, it's growing fast. And one last question. Are the roots of this tree, are they fairly invasive or not so much? No, it, it's a fairly fibrous root system that's well spread and balances out. And uh, the, the nice part about them is they can be very drought tolerant, but uh, they won't be near as pretty if you don't water them. Okay, great. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Uh, next up, we've got Kim and Scottsdale. Good morning, Kim. Good morning, Brian. I'm calling because I have a um, raised bed and I'm tilling the soil to get it ready for my um, winter vegetables. Mm-hmm. And I just discovered that I have a significant ant problem in one of them. And I don't know what to do about that. Are they like the southern fire ants, little black ants that like to bite? Little black ants, yep. Okay, so the easiest way to get rid of those is to actually use a bait. You can put it outside your garden, and they'll come to the bait, and uh, they'll take it back into their colony, and it might not kill them all, but sometimes it will. Okay. Um, we we did try that, but I'm since I'm tilling the soil, it it really looks like it's a bad problem. There's nothing nothing further that I can do, or should I just well, lay can, down you, more you, bait? Or? Well, no, you can drench the soil. You could take a product like Talstar. And, uh, you know, it's basically, uh huh. it's a chemical. You could flood the area where the uh, ants are and flood their colony and that will, okay. that, that'll kill them. Even though it's, it's actually in the bed. Yes. I the, mean, it, it's still, it, it's still, you know, it's, you're not going to be organic if you use the Talstar in your bed. Oh. But if you oh, really okay. have a big colony with lots of, you know, ants and things, it might be worth doing. Okay. And do I spell that T-A-L-S-T-A-R? You got it. 
Okay. Thanks, Great. Kim. Thank Bye-bye. you so much. All right. Well, we got music starting. That means it's time to find out what's happening in the world from Susan Monday. We'll be right back after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. While we're gone, you can give Shira a call at 602-277-5827-277-KTR. We're going to come back with Dave and Ron, and then it could be you on the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show.